What's up guys, welcome back to Rebranding Safety, the podcast and YouTube channel translating health and safety to help you save lives and save money. Today we've got another guest on, Richard Kennard's going to talk all about sales skills. Sometimes health and safety professionals can be awesome at their job, but if they don't know how to sell their concepts, their ideas, their plans, whatever they need to sell, means nothing. So Richard's going to tell us how to sell. There's some really interesting comparisons there. Let's get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We need an oppressive regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. And your host, James McPherson. Personally, I find a lot of safety professionals quite good at their job, but don't really know how to sell their ideas and get people on board. So today we've got uh, Richard who joined us, who's business development executive from AW Safety. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, mate. Thank you very much for having me. That's a nice title. <laughs> business development executive. I like that. Well, it's, it's um, about to change, actually, to business development manager as well. So um, if, you'd give, if you'd have given me another couple of weeks, it'd have been the PDM. So do you want to introduce yourself, I suppose, Rich? Do you want to like, take us through how you are, the, well, how you got to be in the business development executive, then, I suppose? Sure. Well, it's not really much to tell in regards to why I'm where I am now other than I, I kind of fell into sales that's the best way to sort of put it um I was working in a kitchen and I needed a job um that wasn't in a kitchen um and I just sort of um I, I saw this job and it was you know they, it was advertised as oh you can earn loads of money and blah 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 and all that sort of stuff um so I went for it and got it and anyway it turned out to be one of those pyramid schemes um charity door knocking Mm-hmm. Um, so it was an absolute nightmare, but it was a baptism of fire into sales. You know, I was um, knocking on a hundred doors a day, um, getting all sorts of lovely language thrown at me. Um, did that for six months in the absolute freezing cold. It was through the winter, um, like you know, it was the point where I genuinely couldn't sign people up because my hands were shaking and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. But so, um, so after that everything else in regards to sales seemed so much easier because it was you know from knocking on people's doors to just making calls to uh, to other businesses you know it just it became a lot easier so um everything i've done has always been sales based or customer service based i've got a degree in performing arts which um really really helps because i'm just quite an open person and you know i'm um I don't like to say an extrovert. Um, I don't like to label it so easily, but um, I'm certainly not shy um, when it comes to talking to people. So that helps. And essentially how I started and where I am now, I actually did a bit of sales training for um, someone at AW Safety. I met Adam, really, really nice guy. Got on with him and his wife really, really um, early on. And then um, recently he basically just sort of um, tapped me up for a job and and the rest is history i guess okay cool cool what kind of chef are you that's quite um that, that's interesting that your story is nearly exactly the same as mine except mine was safety and yours was sales so i used to be a chef as well oh yeah. really yeah i learned to be like a proper chef in a village pub and then and then they, they went over to like microwave food so yeah I, and ended up in a pub that did microwave food anyway 
Um, and, I, and I ended up leaving because I just thought I don't I don't want to be a microwave technician for the rest of my life. Yes, no, it's um, it's 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 a bit of a nightmare. Nice, nice. So I suppose it's difficult, but but like to I I'm not a salesman, and, and if I'm honest, I kind of got that oh fucking out salesman kind of attitude. But like, yeah, is it different from being like you know? I think I think I judge car like salesmen on car salesmen, and I find they're like a different breed within sales. Yeah, is that yeah. would that be fair to say? Um, it depends. So yeah. I, in the sales training I used to do, bear in mind I used to do car sales. So, um, and in the first car sales job I did, I worked for a company who I believe a boss now actually called Carcraft. Okay. And, um, and I, I mean, they were an absolute nightmare. And I, I left there, I think it was two, two and a half months because I realised that they're not the sort of people I want to be, you know, associated with. They were targeting people based on their credit score and they were you know they were just uh, being really low and they want you know they wanted to get people that had no option basically um and they were horrible people to be honest a horrible company um and i left and i thought oh god i've been trying to get to car sales for a long time um but then i i, I saw an advert for a, a local company because i thought well i'm not going to get into cars i'm you know if this is what car sales is like i'm not going to do it because i'm an honest person and, and i'm a nice person and i don't want to mess people around so um, so I thought, well, I'm not going to do it if that's what it's about. I happened to see a job advert for a local family-run one. I thought, right, okay, well, we'll see what it's about. So I put my, you know, my name forward for that, as along with a load of, load of other jobs that weren't car sales. Went for the interview, and the first thing I said to him was, look, if you're looking for someone that's going to, you know, lie to get a sale, if you're looking for someone that's going to push people into things and, you know, do whatever it takes to get a sale, that's not me. Um, you know, I, I will, I will more, you know, I'll work my ass off to get the sale, but I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to, I'm not going to push someone into something that's not right for them just to get a sale. Um, and they hired me based off that because they said, look, we you know, we're based on a family reputation. We, we're a family business and it's, you know, it's repeat business that's kept us going. So, um, we want honest people. So yes, I, I think that that Arthur Daly sort of, um thing that you get when you think of a slimy salesman is is the instant thing and that's going back to my original point when i was doing sales training one of the things i used to get people to do was you know what is what is your first opinion you know write down what you think when you think of a salesperson and everyone would you know slimy liar cheat you know it was all the negative connotations which is a real shame you know and in america salespeople are looked up to you know they are they're, they're really you know people go wow you're in sales okay um whereas over here obviously it's oh for god's sake here we go again you know um so it's a bit of a shame but um unfortunately the few have ruined it for the many i think so yeah i think the safety industry can relate to that so that must be quite a unique position to be a salesman with a negative um perception rightly or wrongly um and then in an and then in an industry that is difficult to sell mm. so it's quite challenging I think the difference is, and, 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 you know, I say to everyone, you know, I get a lot of people that will talk to me about health and safety and I say to them, I don't know anything about health and safety and I'm not, you know, Adam knew that about me. I've never worked in health and safety before. Um, he brought me on because he wanted someone that would just put the brand out there that would, you know, 
okay, right, or we need, you know, we need a gap analysis or we need um, some fire extinguisher servicing or we need, you know, whatever. Who do we know? Oh, hang on a minute. That, that annoying guy, Richard, that's rang us four times, in, you know what I mean, in, in this year. And we know him because he's constantly ringing us. Um, you know, not badgering, but, you know, we know him because he says he'll call in three months and he does call in three months. And, you know, and we have a conversation and he's actually an all right guy. Um, but the, and why he started to get a sales team is because with a lot of health and safety consultancies and things like that, a lot of them are one-man bands, for one. Um, so obviously they don't have the time to sell all the time because while they're working, they haven't got the time to sell. You know, if you're a client, you can't then be spending all day on their phones trying to sell your business. Um, so sales in the health and safety industry is a bit of a... I, there's not many doing it. Um, and so I think it's it's actually quite new to have someone that is just specifically doing the sales. Um, obviously, I'm learning more as I go, and you know, the more calls I make, where you know, if someone's asking me about something, I'll make a note of it, and then I'll ask Adam, and you know, or, or what, I'll ask one of the consultants. And uh, so it is a massive learning curve. But you know, at the end of the day, if you're a nice person, if you you know, if you know what, if you, I, I hate to say gift of the gab. It's a very you know blasé term. But if you can talk to people and if you know what questions need to be asked and if you can pick up on things that they've said and go, oh, hang on a minute, there was something in that. Let me ask another question. If you can take the conversation further, then, you know, you're always going to always something positive going to come out of it. I always say there's never a bad call unless you come off that call not knowing any more than when you made the call. So even mm -hmm. if you get an email, even if you get a name, you know, it's a positive call. Oh, OK, I like that. Do you find it difficult to like to, to sell safety to a point of view like let's say you, you went to a business and they and they originally wanted quite a lot I don't know like the gold standard from AWC but then you get there and you think well actually I don't think the gold standard is super for you because you're quite low risk how, how do you deal with that kind of conflict because I suppose as a sales you want to sell the gold standard don't you again I think it goes back to what we were just talking about in the car sales people. I won't sell anyone something that isn't right for them. We've um, recently just got rid of a client because they weren't doing what we were telling them to. Um, and at the end of the day, we could have just carried on sending them, you know, letters and going, you know, going to the visits and saying, well, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Um, and this isn't right and blah, blah, blah. And then sending them another letter. We could have kept the paper trail saying that we've done everything we need to do to make sure that they, you know, whether it's up to, it's up to them, whether they follow it. Um, but we, d we didn't want to be associated with a company that doesn't take health and safety seriously. So we've got rid of them. And by the same token, if a company comes to me and says, okay, you know, obviously with the, the competent person packages would be the, the best sort of um, example for what you're talking about. So if someone comes to me and they say they need, um, for instance, they just, like it's a one-man band. I've had an instance of this recently, actually. A one-man band, and literally all he needs is our name on his forms so that if the HSE come knocking, um, you know, he can say, well, I am getting competent advice, you know. Um, and obviously, we've got, with the, the, the basic package of that, you do get 24-hour um, call-out voice. You know, you can call us at any time. We'll give you advice. We'll give you help. But the basic package, basically, is just our name. We act as your competent person. It's got you know you can call us and give you know we'll give you advice and everything but everything else is chargeable then you've got the next stage up which you know includes a few more things for instance your risk assessments will write them for you um some ad hoc training will be included you know non-accredited training like your manual handling and things like that we'll do in-house stuff for that 
Um, and then you've got your final one, which obviously just has absolutely everything will help you with your Chaz accreditations, your ISO, all that sort of stuff. If someone comes to me as a sole trader and says, I just need this, I'm not going to try and push them onto the middle tier one and say, well, we'll give you training as well and we'll do this and we'll, because there's no point. So, um, and Adam knows that about me, you know, again, he, he it's about he, his biggest thing is his reputation. So he doesn't want me to be lying to people or pushing people onto something that's not worthwhile for them. You know, yes, I've got to upsell and yes, I've got to, you know, um, up service and try and get them into better packages, but only if it's worth it for them. Um, if not, then, you know, look, we'll, we'll accept your business on whatever level it needs to be at. Yeah, yeah that's an, it's an interesting position to be in, isn't it? I suppose inherently as a sales, when you, you, your desire is to upsell and stuff like that, but then on the flip side, like you say, it's... Um, I posed a question to Christian on the on one of the other podcasts. Oh, Christian Harris. Yeah, yeah. yeah said to him, like, you know, how, how do you deal with that? And he said that his ideal solution would be he would go into a business and he'd have, say, six areas to look at. Three were fine, I don't need any work, and two were bad, need work. So he's like, then I don't look like I'm just saying I need it everywhere. Yeah. So it's harder to yeah. sell going there and everywhere needs it because they just think I'm going to say that anyway. Perfect. You know, that's that's just jogged my memory of something that um, same sort of situation really. We had we went in and did um, what we call a gap analysis, and obviously I'm sure most people that I say this to know what this is. So, but just to you know, for people that don't, um, you know, we'll go into a company and we'll look at the company and we'll say, right, okay, well, legislation says you need to be here. This is where you're at. So there's the gap between there, and then we'll give them an action plan of where they need to be, you know, what they need to do to get to the, you know, where they want to be. Um, and it's you know much more in depth than what I've just made it seem, but that's the very basic term for it. Um, and one, we we went into a company, um, in, I can't remember, but let's say two months ago. And um, we went in and there wasn't really much they needed to do. They were really good. You know, they were, they, 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 their, their health safety management systems were really good. The risk assessments were really good. They were up to date on the training. They had guys that were, you know, IOSH managing safely um, and, you know, that, that were in date. And, you know, they were, um, they were up to speed on everything they needed to be. There were a couple of things. You're all, you know, look, no one's perfect. You're always going to find little things. But, we went in there and presented to them and we said, look, to be honest with you guys, you're really good. You you know, you obviously take this really seriously. This is, you know, we, we were really impressed. Um, and, you know, we gave them the feedback and we told them everything. You know, we said, look, these are the little things that we think you'd need doing. But other than that, um, this is where you are. And they, you, they, they, they've used us and they actually said that basically what's happened is their health and safety manager was leaving. That's why they've come in to get the gap analysis because they want to know what they need to do going forward and what they need to do to keep it at the same standard. And they used us because they hadn't. They they actually had three companies go in and do a gap analysis, um, and the other two told them there was there was loads of stuff wrong, which they said we know there isn't. You know, our health and safety manager is still here, and he you know he knows what he's talking about, and he you know we know it's not wrong. We know it's it's bang on. Um, we just wanted to sort of see, you know, who who we could trust and who we could go forward with. Um, and like I said, because we went in and we were honest with them, said, look, there's not, we're not really going to get much work out of you because there's nothing really we, you need us to do. Um, it ended up being a really good account for us. So I think I think there's 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 a lot to be said for people that want to um, have that honesty and that transparency. Um, and that's what I think sales should be. You know, you're always going to have the issue of trying to push through people's perceptions of you know and predispositions of Arthur Daly you know every time someone is oh you know we get it in our I get it all the time I get phone calls um from salespeople and I'll always give them the time of day because I think well I'm doing the exact same job 
But sometimes I just go, right, this person's not listening to me. They're not taking on board what I'm saying. They, they're just hammering out, I'm just another person. And, and that's when I get really frustrated with them. Um, and it's the same on LinkedIn, you know, where people add you, um, you, you accept. I'll send, you know, every single person that sends me an invite, I will accept and say, thanks for, you know, your invite. How are you? You know, how's things that you've got in company, whatever. Um, very nice message, nothing salesy whatsoever. And sometimes, obviously, as I'm sure you've had a thousand times, they'll just hit you with a copy and paste message, which is just a bland, you know, um, how can, you know, this is what I do. Please buy from me if you're interested. Here's a link. And, and I instantly remove them, delete them, block them. I, oh, it does my nothing. Um, mm. And it's that, it's that, there's no personalization to it. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's usually for a product that's just completely irrelevant. You know, it's like you obviously haven't looked at, my, at who I am, where I am, and what I do, and what I, you know, what I would potentially need. Um, and so that's, I think that's, if, if you've got a company like AW Safety, you really want to be, you know, Adam's brand is his biggest thing. And it's really important to him. If a company turned around and said that we were doing something wrong, that would genuinely upset him. So, and it would genuinely affect him. So that's the most important thing. And that's what I basically sell about us. Mm, that's nice. Yeah, it sounds good. It's that kind of, I suppose it's that kind of building relationships as opposed to, as opposed to building a sale. How, how do you find like you know like you mentioned about that kind of competent person package how, how do you find that your customers maybe don't take ownership of safety because they think it's aw safety's ownership or or do you do you do you, do you have to step in and say well yeah we are the competent person for you but you still own that responsibility and really hammering that message or well, they know that it, dep- it depends on the level. Obviously, it depends on the level they're doing it. So we've just bagged a new client and we are doing everything for them. Like, you know, because with the competent person packages, it's essentially, you know, you get a health and safety manager for an absolute fraction of the price. So if they're doing the top tier. So in that case, we are their health and safety person. We are, we do take on board for them. Now, that being said, they do need to obviously, um, you know, they do need to take it seriously because we're not there 24 um, seven, you know, on their money, you know, we, we haven't got a consultant there watching them, you know, their engineers and making sure that they're doing everything right. But, um, but for the low, for the lesser packages, you know, it is much more of a, you know, you know, let's say, for instance, the middle package where we sort of write your risk assessments for you will do, you know, other things as well. You know, there's lots of other little, you know, bits and bobs that we do. I mean, to be honest, we tailor them all depending on what the company needs, you know. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do chas for some companies, but that's that's completely irrelevant for a lot of companies. So um, so we'll add something else, you know, maybe they'll want construction lines. So we'll do that, you know, or maybe they'll want ISO. So, you know, whatever they need, we'll, we'll, we'll look at targeting that. Um, but it's just a really difficult, it's getting that balance. And we like to work with companies that take health and safety seriously. So if we go into a company, we do something in the gap analysis, we do a climate survey. And essentially it's an anonymous survey to every single member of the staff. We, we ask them to give it to every single one of them and we collect them in. Um, and it's, it's essentially to find out what the culture of the company is. Because it's all well and good a company saying, yeah, we take you really seriously. We really believe it. You don't really get that until you find out and you get all these papers back and you say, right, well, look, you say you take it really seriously. But according to your 50 staff, you don't because they're saying you don't, you know, that if it's if it costs money, you won't do it. You know, you're they're saying that you're buying, um, you know, PPE from the, the lowest bidder, which let's be fair, everyone does. But it's it's not suitable. It's not sufficient. You know, we're looking at your risk assessments, and they're not suitable or sufficient. You know, it's there's a lot that takes um, that goes into it, um, and that 
it's the climate surveys just to get an idea of the culture of the company. If they, you know, and you will get some companies that will take us on and they will want to use us for everything, but they take it very seriously and they like, you know, they'll go, can we have a meeting? We want to find out what's going on. We need to know where some companies will go, look, do it for us. Thanks very much. Call us if there's a problem. So it's striking that fine balance. Yeah, yeah. I think it, yeah, you're right. It's that, that fine balance is probably the best way to say it, really. Yeah. So what, what I like the... So, so I'm, I'm a massive advocate of like smaller, small to medium sized enterprises really probably doing safety themselves, like doing it themselves and then maybe coming to consultants or hiring a safety professional for very specific reasons for like specialist advice. Yeah. I, I, think, I think, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not overly kind on this podcast to consultants and, and but, but I suppose in their defence, there are some good ones. And it's the same as salesmen. I think, like you were saying earlier, there's 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 a few ruining it for the for the most of us. And and but I, I think there's there's this kind of culture in the UK that like we hire a safety person or we hire a consultant and that's it. It's their job. And I'm constantly saying to you, I don't own safety. As your safety professional, I don't own it. I am just your advisor. I'm just yeah, your yeah. right hand. You know, you got to come to me and say, "What do you think of this?" And I'll say, mm, "I think this," but ultimately, it's your decision. Yeah, I think there's a, there's an element of when it becomes a tick box exercise. That's when it's a problem. Um, you know, I did a post about this not too long ago. I can't remember now, but anyway, I was saying about you know, it's it's sad when companies treat it like a tick box exercise. That it's just okay. Well, okay, what? Unfortunately, we've done it to ourselves. Um, the, you know, the country has done it to ourselves in regards to people that claim for things that don't happen and you know and you know or we i had an instance and i I won't say any names or you know but i let's just say i worked at leisure center um and the you know the filters around the pool they used to we used to have to every morning pull them up you know obviously clean them out and then put them back in now they had little grates covering them and this one woman um walked that way several times and there was no reason for her to walk that way it was right around the back of the pool there's no one ever walked around there other than us but for some reason this woman kept doing it kept walking there and then basically somehow while no one was looking she fell down one of these you know what i mean like her leg fell in it next minute the company's being sued um i've been pulled in for interviews and all sorts of stuff you know saying right what did you do it and because it was me on in the morning and so it was my job to check the filter in the morning and clean it out and put the lid back on and all that sort of stuff and it became an absolute palaver but you know and I don't mean to you know you, unfortunately it is case by case but mm. I don't believe for a second she genuinely fell down it I thoroughly believe that she was like hang on a minute I can there's something in this for me I if I fall down there I can claim you know um and there's been you know I know people that have seen open grates on the you know and 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 so they've pretended to fall down them you know and called the council i've just fallen down the straight because it's there next minute they're getting sued um and unfortunately because of that insurances have obviously had to go through the roof and so and the hsc have to get involved and companies are terrified and i understand you know if something bad happens their first thing is this is going to cost me and i get that but that's unfortunately what we've done to ourselves so you know um the insurance companies can only operate on what you know that they can't lose money they're a business at the end of the day so they have the right and you know lift their prices again it's a few ruining it for the many um you know i had a car crash years ago i didn't claim for whiplash because my, i didn't have whiplash and you know my neck wasn't hurting but i know so many people that would just because well it's a couple of grand to do nothing mm. Mm. um 
So, it, you know, in regards to safety culture and what you were saying about some companies will take it on board and just they want to hand it over to you. Um, I think it's that where's the blame, you know, and, and when it becomes a tick box exercise and the blame exercise and right, can we prove that we did everything we can that it's not our fault? And it's it's all about fault and blame, and you know, unfortunately, that's the way it is now, and we have to we have to move with that. Um, I think it's I think it's a real shame because health and safety now is looked at as how right. How much money am I going to save if I do everything right by not getting sued? Mm. Rather than let's save someone's life because that's important. Mm. Yeah, you're right. You, you bang on. I I 100 agree with you. I do think. Um... And, and I suppose the irony of it, and this must be difficult for you as well, but the irony of it is sometimes sometimes you have an accident or you have an incident or whatever, and, and you might end up, your insurer paying out two grand. And for their everyday, you know, Joe Bloggs, that's, that's a trip to Benidorm or whatever. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, to them, it's like, bloody hell, two grand, awesome. To an insurer, it's like pennies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... What that does is, like you say, it starts that cycle and then people think, oh, okay. And then the company thinks, well, we don't want to do that again because our premiums have gone up. So they do more. And actually, it's, it's try, for your point of view, I suppose, it's trying to say and trying to sell as a consultant and a, and a salesman within the consultant team is saying, actually, you're better off doing nothing in this case and, mm-hmm. and actually not changing your process and actually just working on maybe your culture. But not physically implementing a form or some gloves or a new grate or whatever. And sometimes it's hard to you see a lot. I'll see in meetings and be like, actually, you know, we've just had a fire, but we're better off doing nothing. Yeah. Because that was completely out of our control. It wasn't our fault. And actually, I think we've done everything that we can. And um, what we need to do is maybe engage with the customer or, or something. You know what I mean? I, 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 I mean there's, there's always something to do, but, but yeah, I think yeah. business is one something tangible they're like a piece of paper that says yeah again like you said a checkbox uh, exactly yeah you can you know and like you say it's even if it's like we did everything right we did everything we could they still want a report that says you did everything right you did everything you could mm-hmm. um it's never just a case of that they look at it and go you know what yeah fair play everything was everything was done to the best of your ability and it was just some guy who was an idiot who you know because you can't account for humans you know we we are idiots um and i don't you know we're all idiots as smart as we are as brilliant as we are or as you know and obviously i'm using very lame terms here but as stupid as we are you know that you can't account for you know people say about common sense i hear this all the time there's no such thing as common sense i don't believe in common sense because it's only common sense for you in this instance, but your common sense is different to my common sense. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you, James, obviously, you you know a lot more than me in regards to health and safety. So certain things that you'll take on board, you know, I won't. So that's common sense to you, but it's not common sense to me. Um, and And it's just, I find it so fascinating that, you know, that we just go, oh, well, you know, it's common sense. You shouldn't be around there. You shouldn't be doing that. But I've seen pictures of, you know, people smoking and using a gas, an ex, well, not an empty, because there's no such thing as an empty gas canister, obviously, you know, with the, it's just the pressure runs out. Um, using a gas canister as an ashtray, you know <laughs> what I mean? And it's like, and you're telling me that's common sense. Like, you can't, there's, there's only so much you can do as a human to go to, you know, unless you watch every single member of staff, unless you have security cameras watching every single member of staff at all times, and you can you can watch every screen at the same time and make sure that they're doing their job as exactly as they should be. 
it's impossible. You know, it's absolutely impossible. It's like, right, you shouldn't put your hand in there because, you know, it's a machine that cuts. But you see, you know, oh, it stopped and, oh, I could just grab it. You know, I did it when I was a kid. You know, we were, me and my friends were smashing conkers with a hammer as a kid. And, and I saw this conker that I wanted. So I went and grabbed it. I got my fingers broke because the man was, you know, cracking it. How stupid is that? But, you know, at the time, I thought I was quite intelligent. You know, I was like, oh, I want that conker. I could have said, mate, don't, don't, don't crack any. You know, can we stop? But I just thought, oh, I've got time. And he's not going for that one. So I just went for it and he was going for that one and he cracked two of my fingers. But, you know, it's, there's no accounting for humans and human error is always going to be the biggest factor in health and safety. Mm. No, you are, you're, you're right. It, it's funny, actually, you, you're saying that and it, it reminded me of, um, I was dealing with a property the other day and, and, and um, it was basically, we were trying to work out the fire strategy of this building and there were people that's a purpose-built block of flats. I said, it's not a purpose-built block of flats. I said, it is a purpose-built block of flats. It's not. And I know it's not. And they said, why? I said, because when it was a dilapidated, vacant, um, empty factory, I was about 13 years old or maybe maybe a bit older, and me and my mates broke into it. Mm. And there was no flats there. So I'm 100% sure that has converted factory into flat. And they were like, you're health and safety guy. And I just couldn't compute that. I was a teenager once, and Tina used to do stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I had to, my boss was like, are you sure it's a, it's not purpose-built? I said, I, I broke into it when I was a kid, and he was like, no. I was like, <laughs> well, I thought that was quite funny. I suppose, then, like, what, 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 would you, what are, like, the fundamental skills of, of sales of people, like a consultant, your consultant? So a consultant in your team, if, you, if they were saying to you, well, we want to put a bit of, upselling with our consultants for example mm-hmm. what would you say are the fundamental skills that safety professionals are lacking from maybe not as well from upskilling maybe that's a bad example like how how can we as safety professionals use sales skills to sell safety not as a product but as a as an idea or something like that because that's something i've struggled with yeah it depends the, the the issue is it, it's person to person this is why i couldn't i this is why I, I, one of the reasons why I stopped doing sales training in a way, because I did, I was training this as I was doing it, but also, you know, for instance, right, a little bit of a tangent, but I won't go along on it. These people that do, the, you know, for, I don't believe in business coaches. I don't believe in business coaches. I don't believe in, you, you know, your grant card or, you know, 10 times your business. So, right, okay. Well, why aren't you just doing that then? Oh, wait, you are. And that business is telling other people on how to 10 times their business. I'm sorry, it's utter rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. Um, you know, otherwise you'd just be working for a company bigger than Amazon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just own a company that was bigger than Amazon. If that's if that, if you genuinely believe that you've got skills to ten times your business, then just start a business that you know that gets bigger than you know Microsoft and Apple and you know. But they can't. But they they can sell. You know, all it is is selling the dream, and people want to get get rich quick. Um, and so. Unfortunately, there is no set sales guy. You know, I've read a load of sales books, and when I was younger, I used to think, "Oh, brilliant! This is great, and this is really works." And this, you know, and people say, um, "You know, there's all these different things." There's like the ABCs, you know, of sales, and obviously, it used to be always be closing, but that's been changed, and you know, and there's the new ones. And unfortunately, it's different per person. It depends who you're selling to, and it depends on the company, depends on the culture, and you can't find that until you ask some questions. So my biggest thing is questions, 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 questions. Um, learn more about the company, 
get that relationship with them and then just start asking about what they want. So some companies will react to the post I did the other day about, you know, fines. Um, they will look at that and go, Jesus Christ, you know, oh, they got fined 1.6 million for a bit of racking, hitting someone on the head. You know, right, I don't want that. We have racking. So what can I do? Um, I'm going to go to a health and safety consultant. I'm going to get someone to come and inspect our racking. You know what I mean? Whatever. Um, some people won't respond to that because they'll go, well, no, ours is really good. And we're not, you know, we, we take it really, really seriously. So there's no point in you showing them fines. They know that, you know, and some people know the fines and they know what it is. And, you know, and they're already taking it to the next level of health and safety anyway. The key, the key factor for me is you can't blanket it to everyone which is why the you know the messages in on linkedin where it's just you know oh thanks for accepting you know do you know i sell bananas here you go you know hit follow a link to this to buy all the bananas you could ever want in your life um and you know it's like well i'm allergic to them so shut your mouth you know i mean it's it's (laughs) it just doesn't work um now if you learn from me that i love bananas and that they're my favorite you know, they're my favourite thing to eat in the world and that I, I play tennis all the time. I know obviously I'm being a bit weird here, but um, and I just absolutely, I spend a ridiculous amount on bananas, then it makes sense for you to offer me bananas at a much reduced price. So that's the thing. It's learning what they need. So don't go into a company, and I've done this, you know, we've all done it. Don't go into a company um, doing a health and safety audit, see that they keep a really good training matrix and they keep on top of it and you know they know when their people need training don't go in there and say oh do you know that we offer um you know software to keep an eye on your training matrix what's you know there's no point um but if you notice that their fire extinguishers are out of you know that the services haven't been done well that's the sort of thing you want to be pushing um you know it's you've got to plug that gap but also you've got to build that relationship with them that they trust you because you know, they always say people buy from people they like. I don't believe that. People talk to people they like. People buy from people they trust. So that's the key thing. And you've got to earn their trust through real means, through through being honest and open. If you're doing it just to make a sale, if you're talking to those people and, um, and dealing with them, and I'm using that term dealing um, with them just because you want the money, well, you, yeah, you'll probably get some money. Yeah, you'll probably get um, a bit of their business, but it's not going to be the longevity that you want. If you actually like that person, they like you, and they, you know, they're, they're the sort of people. You know, I like it when I get off a call and they say, oh, you know what, we've been using the same guy for 15 years, and the MD really likes him. I like that. I go, well done to that guy, you know, or welcome, well done to that person. They've done really well. They've obviously built this relationship. So um, the, key fo- the key things, mate, build relationship genuine relationship find out what it is they actually need um you know through questions um and just try and plug that gap um but be honest and open don't you know don't just don't just go in if you know if you're in their area go in for a cup of tea don't go in because you plug in a new thing you know just drop in hey mate you've got got time for a cuppa brilliant and don't talk to them about anything you do they'll love that They'll absolutely love it. I love going to companies that are, you know, that are clients of ours or that aren't clients, they're just people I've been talking to, um, and just having a coffee with them and chatting about the day. There's a guy that I don't, he's a helicopter pilot. He's going through his, um, it'll be, um, it'll be, he's been having lessons. I know that he's having his um, final sort of test soon. So I can't wait to talk to him about that. I'm not going to try and sell to him. 
I'm just going to talk to him about, you know, I can you fly a helicopter on your own now, and when can I get in it with you? You know what I mean? So that's the thing. Mm. I suppose that would that would apply to like an internal safety professional, or even just a manager as well. I suppose is just having that good relationship with your teams and and a bit. I so you know, a young um, like safety professional, as much as I say young, like I'm really old, but like you know, a, a new safety professional messaged me a long time ago, and I knew them, and and they were like, you know, what what kind of advice would you give? I know to, to never go over the top because if you go over the top once and you implement something once that's not needed or the business think, oh, this is nuts and we don't, we don't, they don't agree with it, regardless of whether you think it's right or not, that you'll break that trust and you just need to, you need to build that relationship. And that, that's like a, you know, not, not, there's no specific example there. It's just really ask your question, like, do we genuinely need this? And I suppose it's exactly the same as what you just said about building relationship, building trust, you know, go and have a cup of tea with your teams and things like that and not be like, even if it's you're going down from a manager's point of view, you're not going down to be like, you know, how long till that product's out the door? Just like, how are you? How's the wife? How's the kids? You know, and that, I think that massive, makes massive difference. Yeah, 100%, mate. It really does. And, you know, how many times have you heard, oh, um, or, you know, how many times have you, you know, you've known where, the uh, not just health legal, let's say any product is always you know is bought yo the md yeah it's his best mate so you know uh, you know i um our um some of our things are provided by adam's friends you know um i'm sure we could get it cheaper elsewhere but we ain't gonna look and if anyone calls mm. sorry yeah we've already sorted thanks because mm. it's through his friends um you you're much more likely to trust your friends and to you know think that they're going to do you the best deal they can um, and even if they're not doing the best deal, like money-wise or monetary or, you know, financially, they're certainly going to look after you if anything, you know, if anything hits the fan, um, you know, they're going to be there and they're going to offer you that extra, they're going to go that extra mile. And that's what people want. You know, they want value for money. Yes, they want it at the cheapest price, but they also want value for money. Mm. Interesting. How, how, do you make, how do you make health and safety value for money when, when sometimes the, the better thing would be to spend a lot of money on something so let's say for example i i, I always i always get really annoyed right because um and i if you've listened to the podcast competency versus pp you probably can tell how annoyed it i get around it but like competency increasing competency or upskilling teams can be quite expensive you know and and getting it right getting them on the right course and the right training and if you do it right it, you can do it over a long period it's never just one course here and one course there is not enough. It's it's constant coaching and training. That costs a lot of time and money. Was PPE tangible, cheap, quick, easy? Mm. So you know, it's that kind of how how do you convince a business that actually we'll get value for money by spending three years upskilling this team of people, and actually you're probably not going to see a result for another ten years, like. So how how does a how does a safety professional do that? Like from a point of view, it's it's so difficult because with some people you can't. I'm not one of these that believes that every single person can be sold to. Some people just can't. Um, I've had an instance. Where I, I went to a thing the other day uh, for one of our clients who just got into providing um, electric charging points, obviously for electric cars and things. And it was really interesting because I was chatting to them about it, and I was saying how I you know I was looking into. Um, recently I've got a new car and I was looking into getting an electric car because um, you, you know 
savings that you make are just crazy. Unfortunately, the price to buy them is so much more initially. So it's that same sort of thing, you know, because you don't see the results till much, you know, much later. You know, you'd have to drive the car for three years to see the savings. Um, but because unfortunately, the bulk fee at the start is 10 grand more, you know, than the like for like version in petrol. Um, so, and some people just can't, you know, you've got a budget. A lot of companies have got a budget and they can't go over that, you know. So if you go to a company and you say, you know, they say, right, I've got a 10 grand budget. Okay. Well, it's going to cost you 14 grand to do the right thing, which will save you money in the long run, or it's going to cost you five grand to buy the right PPE and, you know, and, and, and then, you know, you're fine. But, oh, you know, you're going to have to redo that. And, you know, and when the, you know, like with the gloves and obviously with the new RPE rules around welding and, you know, these things change all the time. So it might be fine for now, but give it two years time. A, the PPE using is going to need to be placed in anyway, but, it's just going to, you know, the, the rules are going to change. So now your gloves that were a five-cut resistant are now only a two-cut resistant. So we're going to have to change. You're going to have to get new ones. Um, so it's that constant thing. And that's the only way I can do it is if you really show them. Um, the best example I can think of, I was a while ago. So my my missus is in uh, property and um, in HMOs and lettings and things like that. So... We saw this post, which was really interesting, from a company, I believe, I can't remember the name, oh, Comfort Lettings, that was it, Comfort Lettings, uh, they're on LinkedIn, so, you know, um, feel free to have a look at it, the post was ages ago, to be fair, but anyway, they their rates are quite high, uh, their percentage of what they charge the landlords to manage the properties are quite high, but they did a breakdown, and it was really, really good, so I think it was like 12%, and a lot charge, you know, 10, 8, whatever, you know, lower than that even, so they, but they did a breakdown of it and they said, okay, right, well, you can pay us 12%, which, you know, um, is going to cost you this much, you know, and they, they did, you know, so let's say it's a thousand pounds a month. It's better to pay 12% of that thousand pounds and get a quality person in, you know, like he's been vetted and they know, you know, he's been credit checked. They know he's going to pay rent on time. They know he's going to, you know, needs the place for at least six months, whatever, but they've been really quality checked. So, you know, you're going to get someone decent. Obviously, there's always going to be, instances where it doesn't work but anyway long term it's going to be much more beneficial than getting someone yeah okay let's say eight percent so you pay less per person um you know to this company but they're not being vetted properly they're not being quality checked they're not being you know um credit checked so they, they're going to be late on the bills they're going to just leave without telling you um you know there's going to be a load of issues so it's actually going to cost you more in the long term so when you see it in a breakdown like that, where it's an actual, you know, you go, right, well, this is this is us, and this is how much it's going to cost you, and this is how much you're going to make. This is them, this is how much it's going to cost you. Yeah, less, okay, fair enough, but this is how much you're going to make, and it's going to be much less. So there you are, price-wise, we're better. That's the only way I believe that you can do it if you break down the costs and if you break down the fundamentals of it and show them it. You know, it, there is something to be said with the visual, you know, presentation of seeing it and going, okay, you know, and th you'll still get the objection. Yeah, okay, fair enough, mate, really good, but it's going to cost. It's it's just going to cost more than we can think right now. We presented to a company recently, and they had they were a lot wrong, um, to say the least. Um, and so we presented to them a couple of options. Um, you know, one of them was look, just pay us to come in, and we'll get this sorted, and it's going to cost you this much, or pay us to come in, get this sorted, and stay on as and act as your competent person. 
is going to be this much. Um, you know, they were like, look, we'd love to just go in and take you on full time. But it's just, you know, we can't, we haven't got that in the budget right now. Um, so unfortunately, you have to, you have to really show the prices and you have to show the, the potential gains and the potential losses. And, and there's something to be said in showing it visually. If it's not shown visually, if you're just telling them or if you just say, look, this will work out better in the long run. Yeah, OK, sure, it will, mate. Anyway, what's the cheapest option? Mm. That's all they're going to think. It's all about money. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point because there's these um, there's these kind of new extingu- fire extinguishers come out. Um, well, they've been out a long time, but um, when they first came out, they they only did real kind of general risk. So they only really replaced powder, um, and you couldn't really have them for um, higher risk properties. So you, you couldn't have, for example, uh, in a boiler room where you need the CO2. You still need that, but they never need servicing. So they have a ten year life cycle. They never need servicing, but they're really expensive to buy. Yeah. When they first came out, they, they kind of got a bit of a bad rep. They got, I think the NFCC, I could be wrong. It could, it could have been somewhere else, like tore them apart. And, um, and then I thought, well, they're never coming back. And then they came back and they were much better products. They've got like a, a higher risk one. And I'm not endorsed by them in any way, shape or form, but just impressed by the product. And the last two businesses I worked for, could have made massive savings on, over a long run if we purchased some of these. And but it was such a long time until you start seeing that that thing, um, saving that they just didn't want to do it because it was such a big upfront payment. Even if you phased phased it, it was it was quite costly. Yeah. Then such a long time, it was just not feasible in their in their mind, and they would rather just you know spend it on in the front of the world because that's visual and it looks good and the customers think oh that's good nobody gives a shit about fire extinguisher um, it's, it's a funny old game and like you say it's interesting about breaking it down i think a lot of safety professionals could do a better job at maybe actually breaking down what we're talking about here you know we're going to do a risk assessment okay what is a risk assessment well let me take you through that process it's this it's a conversation it's that it's legally this it stops this it does this um, and maybe actually explain them what they do instead of in, instead of that kind of information is power at the moment yeah, where we're like yeah. I am the person that does the risk assessment if I don't tell you what that means I keep my job yeah, yeah. it's interesting as well because there's, um, we had an instance recently where the risk assessments were to be fair terrible as well but the, the, the staff that were doing the jobs didn't had never seen the risk assessments Mm. so it's like what's the point in doing risk assessments like the only reason they were doing it was because oh we need a risk assessment you know yeah. it's a tick box exercise it's going back to what we were saying earlier um and that was one of the things we pulled up we were like look you know at the end of the day a your risk assessments aren't suitable sufficient they've not been written by someone who's a competent person they've not got the right training um which clearly shows in you know in the quality of the risk assessments but also the staff don't know like you know they just they just they get a bit of training when they first start great um and then they crack on but they've never seen a risk assessment. They don't know what to do. You know, they, they don't know what the risk assessment says. Um, and unfortunately, that's a lot of businesses. When I worked at the leisure centre, which again will not be named, you know, we had a we had a bit of a thing that said, you know, you had to you were meant to look through the risk assessments because um, there's a low, you know, like for the for instance for all the different chemicals that we'd handle. You know, they said right every day we wanted to go through like two or three uh, risk assessments, and then you had to sign them off and everything. <laughs> but most people didn't and what most people did was just sign it as if they had read it 
but they didn't, you know, they didn't read it because it couldn't be bothered. Um, and so, you know, in that case, that goes back to the human error thing that I was talking about. Um, but, you know, there's got to be, if, if the, and this goes to what we were saying about culture, if the company takes it seriously, then the staff take it seriously. If they genuinely believe you care, if they believe that the company cares about their well-being and their health, they will take it seriously. And they'll say, okay, right, yeah, we'll have a read. Um, let's, you know, if you take the time, right, no, guys, look, unfortunately, look, I know it's a bit of a bore, but we are going to take a day out. And we're going to, you know, just going to sit in the lunchroom, whatever. We're going to read these risk assessments. We're going to go through them. We're going to, or, you know, someone's going to present them to you. Um, or we're going to do practical, you know, practical um, explanations of them when we're at the machines or whatever. It's a real um, cultural change from just, yeah, risk assessments are in the folder whenever you need it, just come and give us a shout. There's a mm. big difference. Yeah, there is, yeah. It's quite, quite similar, like the stuff you're talking about in like, you know, like the skills and sales are actually, we're actually coming back around to just, it's just the culture, like it's, it's what we keep coming back around to. And I feel like the podcast become quite repetitive, you know, today we're talking about manual handling. What, what do we need? We need a good culture. So now we're going to talk about sales and skills, sales skills. What do we need? We just need a good culture, relationship. They're the same things, really. They're the same skills, aren't they? Just The problem is with it, you're never going to get it because there's always going to be someone that doesn't care. Um, you never. It, we're never going to get to the stage in sales where people aren't looked at as Arthur Daly. Um, mm. You know, you're never going to get to the stage where health and safety is not looked at as a chip, um, you know, tick box exercise for some people. Um, you're never going to get it because a lot of companies, you know, just they do see it as a necessary evil when it comes to health and safety, um, you know, which it shouldn't be. You know, it should be, no, we're trying to save lives. We're trying to save, you know, thumbs and legs and arms. And you know what I mean? We're trying to save, um, you know, all these things. We're also trying to save you money by not getting sued. There's so, there's, it, we've, we're so far gone and we're so far over the hill now Um for the things that have gone wrong and the things that you know have happened that we're never going to be able to get back to it so i think it's just a slow gradual change of trying to get as many people on board with it as you can um you know i just try i'm not going to try and change people's minds on salespeople because there are a lot of people that don't you know um that just want to make a sale and just want your money um i make a joke out of it all the time you know um when i was at an exhibit on friday you know um we had there was myself and there was a consultant there i was talking to people um, and Adrian would send them to me sometimes when he was talking to people. And I'd say, yeah, I'm the one that wants your money. You know, it, it just makes a joke out of it because, you know, that's what they think of me. So I might as well make a joke out of it. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to change people's perceptions of salespeople. I can't. All I can do is change their perception of me. Um, mm. And I think that is what I'd say to every salesperson, every, every whatever you are, change their perception of you and then... And that's all you can do, you know, make, make them think that you're a nice guy, you're a nice person, um, you know, it's, that's all you can do. I can't, I can't make people think that salespeople are angels because 90% of us aren't, um, you know, obviously I'm amazing, no, I'm just joking, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, you can't, you've just got to focus on yourself and your own company and your own culture and get, do the best you can with what you've got. Mm. I think like you're saying about like you can't change the, the culture of the salesman but and and I think we're in the same as safety professionals in the same kind of position like you say um but I'm, I'm a massive believer in that culture changes infectious and it's done one by one and it will spread like a virus so actually 
you are changing the culture of sales by not being that stereotypical salesman. And, and eventually the next salesman that you see or somebody listen to this podcast, if I want to go into sales and then they pick up skills from, from what you're saying, actually, it's not about, you know, Wolf of Wall Street and stuff like that. It's about relationship building. It's about, um, you know, the stuff like that culture change. That's, yeah. You are making a difference, I think. Well, I think the thing is, and there's two, in, I've got two examples of where you're just always going to have that negative response to a positive situation, which you're always going to have anyway. You know, Schadenfreude says it, you know, you're always going to have that. You want to see things fail. You know, we have that inbuilt in us that we want to see successful people fail because there's that element of jealousy. But there's two things with this. So Lego, obviously Lego, uh, are, I think they're amazing. I think they're absolutely amazing with what they're doing in regards to, um, you know, getting rid of all plastics. And, the, you know, they, they said they were going to do that before they even had an idea of how to do it. They went, we're not going to, we're going to stop making Lego out of plastic because obviously it's not good for the environment. Don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to have a go. But we're definitely going to do it. Um, And then they've also, um, I believe, I've I've read somewhere the other day and I can't remember the exact fact, but I'm pretty sure they're running on complete renewable energy now, like as in their factories. So um, I just think, wow, amazing. But then there's so many people that said, oh, they're only doing it as a publicity stunt. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, well, first, if they are, who cares? Yeah. Like, well done. It's still an amazing achievement. It's still a great publicity stunt. If they are, I don't care. I'm fine with it being a publicity stunt. If they are genuinely running on 100% renewable energy, and if in however long it takes, let's say 20 years, whatever, you know, hopefully less, obviously. But if they're not using anything plastic and they are not affecting the ozone layer, you know, and if they're really cutting down their, you know, their effect, then fantastic. And if it means that they're making a load of publicity out of it, fine i would buy the products either way and then the other one the latest one has been the the um the the uh, straw gate with mcdonald's um you know with everyone's kicking off about it and i saw a post from um from a guy that i really like actually dan smith um and i i, I couldn't believe what he was saying and i was like i didn't comment on it actually i can't remember why but i think i was just busy but he was saying about oh you know really well done for doing the straw but they still got a lid that's plastic and blah blah, blah. and he you know he was basically saying why haven't they changed everything i'm like well give them a goddamn chance like you know, like expensive it is to change the machines and the facilities and everything to get you know to change the whole thing would cost them like millions and millions if not billions to change the the you know the the facilities and to change the machines that they need to do to change those plastic lids into paper or whatever they want to do but it's small changes it's incremental changes and you know let's say that they've changed these the the paper straws apparently they're terrible i haven't tried them i don't i don't drink milkshakes anyway but <clears throat> You know, I just think fair play to them. Well done. Let, you know, it's one small thing, right? Now the next thing is, yeah, change the cups. Uh, change, you know, change the cups or change the the lids. Then the next thing is they change the wrapping. That you know, the wrapping beginning. It's all small changes, but we should be celebrating this. But there are people that are going, oh well, they're only doing it for the publicity, or oh well, they've done it for that, but they haven't done it for that. And I'm like, oh my god, give them a chance. Like let's, you know, let's be celebrating this and let's go. Yeah, fair play to you. Well done. I appreciate the effort next thing let's what when's the next one like you say it is you know hopefully it is a knock-on effect and hopefully other companies go you know what fair enough we need to um we need to change this and we need to change our carbon footprint and we need to stop making our things out of this and whatever hopefully it does make a, it's a massive cultural change but you'll always have those people that look at it and go well they're already doing it because of this oh you know mm. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it's, it's so true. And it's, it's it's something that I think by the sounds of it, you're quite passionate about. And me and my me and my wife are as well. My, my, my wife's got a really good saying. I think she has seen it on Facebook or something. For environmental improvement, not everybody needs to be perfect. No, not one person needs to be perfect. Everyone needs to be imperfect. So yeah. just have that kind of everyone does one thing better. Yeah, you know, one house says, "Right, we're not having any plastic in this house." Wow, that is a that's a massive thing. But then the other house, but they still got a diesel car, and they've still, you know, you go on planes, and they still, I don't know, do whatever. Um, yeah. And then somebody else goes, "I'm going to get an electric car. I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, use a diesel car." It's all those little things, and and health and safety is exactly the same. I think it's those little things, you know, that we don't celebrate in safety either. I when I, was, I had a, I've got a call with um. Stevie, who's been on a couple of times now, and we're talking about manual handling. And he's saying, we always talk about negative manual handling. You know, oh, you're not lifting right. You're not doing this right. But nobody goes over and high-fives somebody when they do lift right. Yeah. And that's the same thing. It's just a negative mindset that we're in all the time. And, you, and you're right. I remember when they started doing electric cars, they were like, oh, they're doing electric cars. This is amazing. And then it was like, well, yeah, it is. But it's made out of, like, precious metals that still have a massive impact on the environment. It's like... Well, yes, yeah, I get what you're saying, but come on. It's like, we've got to do something. It's it like the same with the wind farms. You remember when they did that? Yeah. I, like, I had a massive argument with my auntie. I'll never forget this. I lost a lot of respect for her on this day. Um, <laughs> but we had this massive argument because she was petitioning against these wind farms because they, they were an eyesore and they didn't look very nice. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, A, I don't think they look that bad anyway. No, I think they look cool. Really gonna kick off because they look bad. I'm like, a, you're gonna be dead in like 20 years time anyway. So what do you care? Like, <laughs> let's start looking forward, shall we? Let's start looking forward to your grandchildren, for your great grandchildren, for your great great grandchildren. Let's start looking forward to their world rather than just going. I think it looks ugly, so I'm gonna petition against it. I couldn't believe that someone I knew and held to such high regard thought that, and then and then they come out with all these ridiculous facts and. You know, and I say facts, and I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh well, it, it costs more. In, the carbon footprint is more to get them to where they're going to be than it, than they're ever going to save. But it, oh, shut up! Like, you know, oh, go on. Where did you get this fact from? I'm guessing Facebook. You know what mm. I mean? It's just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that that people. There's always going to be a negative sign. I mean, you're right. You know, people don't look at the good things and go, well done. That's amazing. You know, you you know, you yeah, you DSC, you you're really adhering to your DSC assessment, and you're you're using that sponge pad really well, so that it's not going to affect your wrist. Well done, mate. You know, no one no one ever says well done for the things you're doing right. They only pick up on when you're doing wrong. Yeah, it's um, I do think um, environmentalists have got an even bigger battle than than the health and safety professional. That is, uh. I, 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 my one, not my last job, but the job before used to be the classic health, safety, environment, and quality. The last uh, two jobs before that, yeah, it was, um, it was a big job. And and when you look at it, you just think, you know, I really want to do something in environment, but actually, no one's, no one's got any buy-in. Like it's hard enough to sell safety sometimes, and it is to sell environmental um, benefits and changes because. Again, there is no benefit to it, to a business. You know, well, you could say good health and safety, a good business. Um, good business, yeah. But 
is is good environmentally friendly businesses good business mm. nobody knows yet it's a, yeah. it's a battle they've got they've got to deal with <laughs> uh i suppose i suppose we could probably go on all day but um if you were to if you if you were to so if we've got people listening to us or safety professionals or business owners and they're thinking oh, i need to get better at being able to sell an idea or sell in general how, how can they go is there any books or any courses how can they go and improve that um in your opinion um like i said i'm a bit wary of books and i'm a bit wary of courses um just because i've been on so many and i've read quite a few that i just go this is just this is plugging the same crap the the other one did and this is you know it's just reworded in a slightly different way i tell you a book that's really good actually and it's nothing to do with sales but you certainly can adapt it and make sales it's called presence by amy cuddy um and she is a um I want to say a psychologist, um, but she's a very specific type. Um, I'm not selling it very well here, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's essentially about the book. Just goes into details on on your, your mental state and how to be the best per, how to be the best version of you can. But it's all through your um, through physicality. So most people say your mental state affects your physicality. She says it's the complete opposite way around. So, and the way to test this, and honestly, I've done it and it works. And I'm like, you know what? Fair play. If you stand up and you stand in a, or sit down, whatever, if you stand or sit in a positive stance, if you, you know, she calls it the Wonder Woman stance is one of the ways they stand. And it's, you know, the, the very typical pose of Wonder Woman, you know, with her hands on her, you know, or like Peter Pan sort of thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you stand like that for two minutes, yeah, you'll feel like a bit of an idiot, I'm sure. But I guarantee you'll feel happier. I guarantee if you do it for two minutes, if you stand there, stand there, you know, just with your chest out, you know, feeling really positive, standing really um, tight, uh, sorry, um, you know, really tall and, and just um, imagine your Cleopatra, whatever you need to do, um, you will feel better. And she says, but by the same token, if you sit there slunched over, you know, your head's dropping, you you know, you you just got no energy, you'll have no energy because you, your body is telling your mind, I'm tired, I haven't got any energy. Whereas if you sit up straight and you sit up with your head up and, you, you know, you're engaging, um, you, will, you will have energy. So the book, I say, it's called Presence by Amy Cuddy. It's an absolutely amazing book on how to be the best version of yourself. And she says, you know, it's one of those things of, you know, before any sales meeting, you know, just or before any important meeting, she says, you know, and I took it obviously with the sales side of things, um, you know, tell you, not tell yourself you're positive because it's not that self-perpetuating, you know, it's not that... You know, I'm good, I'm amazing, I'm brilliant, I'm sexy, I'm whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, if you need to tell yourself that, you're not, in my opinion. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't believe it. Um, but um, I think it's that thing of, you know, if you if you act like it, you'll be it. Um, so, you know, tell your body that you are that and stand up straight and, you know, and be positive. Walk into the room like everyone should be looking at you. I guarantee it'll make a big difference to how you are. That's been my only real sort of book that I would recommend. Okay, I like that, like positive mindset kind of thing, but based on your physical actions. Yeah, all based on physicality. You know, they're treating PTSD with it now. There's a lot of PTSD that's being treated that way. Um, rather than, you know, rather than um, treating it as a mental affliction, they're treating it as a physical affliction because they've realised that, you know, it's you're responding to a physical threat and your body tenses, because, you know, for, you know, if it hears a noise, it tenses. You know, it's not your mind doing it, it's your body. Your body tenses. 
So they're, um, they're treating PTSD with it and they're having great results. They're treating so many things with it and they're, they're, they're finding that it's working really, really well. It's obviously in the early stages now, but she also goes on to talk about the imposter syndrome. Um, you know, there's loads of things that they've diagnosed, you know, like the imposter syndrome is something that I saw someone putting on LinkedIn the other day and they didn't quote her, which really annoyed me because they were basically, you know, trying to sell off, the, you know, have you heard of the imposter syndrome? Is this, this? And I was like, okay, but how have you heard of it? Because I guarantee it's through Amy Cuddy because no one else knows about it. Um, so yeah, um, it's a fantastic read, really interesting read. Um, and it's the only thing that I, you know, I don't like sales books. I don't like sales training. I don't like business coaches. I don't like, you know, people that tell you what to do when they're not doing it themselves, you know, go talk, go talk to the, you know, go talk to the head of Amazon, go talk to Bill Gates, go talk to, you know, go talk to all these massive, you know, companies. They're not going to Grand Cardone's 10 times. <laughs> I guarantee it. I guarantee they're not going. And, you know, and I go, well, hang on a minute. Right, they're doing it. What are they doing? Mm. Well, they're not going to stupid seminars. They're not going to, you know, they might be networking. Yeah, fine, network, whatever. They're not going to these stupid se seminars, or the, you know, to try and learn business tips. You know, I can't stand, they, they to me, Grant Cardone's and all those sorts of people that do that sort of thing, they are the slimy salesperson that I'm trying to completely avoid. Um, and so, yeah, don't be that person. That's my advice. If you're not that person, you'll do well. It's a great point, isn't it? There is a lot of that going around at the minute, that Grant Cardone, that kind of London Reel. And and, and I, the London Reel, to be fair to them, is a platform. But behind that, there's an academy where people go to. And I was, I was looking at this stuff and I think, am I missing a trick here? Should I go and stuff like that? And then I look at it. Some of them are thousands of pounds to go to these things. And you're there for a morning or a day or whatever. Thousands of pounds to go to it. I'd rather spend thousands of pounds on my business if I had a business and that that's why they're going there. And they seem to be everywhere. And we're, we're kind of getting off tangent, but they, it annoys the shit out of me. They're absolutely everywhere. You know, you're on Facebook, you know, I'm on all the kind of business groups, obviously to share the platform, um, but also get some good conversations on there. But everywhere, everyone's a social media expert nowadays. Everyone's a business coach nowadays. And you just... What, uh, if you're if you're a business coach and I don't see you behind a big brand like you just said, and also you're only 25, I don't want to talk to you. You're not yeah. a business coach. You're not a life coach because you've only lived a quarter of your life. Um, yeah. You know, it, and it seems to be everywhere. We seem to be stuck in this thing. And I think to bring it kind of back to the point, I think we're the same in health and safety that, and as they are in there is they're going to these people like Grant and Doug Cardone and, and, and all these other people and they're, they're looking for that magic wand to fix it. They go there and they go, that's it. That's the one thing I'm not doing. That's going to fix my health and safety problems. It's going to fix my business. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up with the best safety business in the world or the best business in the world. But it, it doesn't exist. Course it I just want a, and a really good book for the one reason um, that it puts it into a picture. And I know you were saying earlier about breaking it down. An Accidents to Zero by Andrew Sharman in the middle of the book is a windy road. Yeah. And it's loads of these little bits on how to get a good culture. Yeah. That to me, I was like, look at all these components. There's like 17 different chapters and they're all something to action. Mm. It's not yeah. one chapter. 
I tell you what, then the the other book I'd throw into that because I, I, I and I do want to pick up on something you just said as well. But the other book I'd throw into the hat is Can't, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Oh uh, yeah. <clears throat> the way I, the way the best people to learn from aren't salespeople, in my opinion. They're not. They're not. Um, they're not. You know, they're, they're people at the top of their field and whatever that field is. So um, Amy Cuddy, like I said, she is entrepreneurial when it comes to psychology and to helping, you know, you be the best version of yourself. So that's why I recommend her. David Goggins is an absolute beast. I don't know. Do you know, have you read the book? Do you know of him or anything like that? I know of him. I've not read his stuff, but I, yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, I've got the audiobook, and honestly, I've, I've listened to it about four times now. I mean, the guy has come from hell, literal hell, um, you know, raised by an abusive um you know pimp of a dad to beat the crap out of his mum in front of him he used to beat him and his you know and his brother and he used to get them working all the time and you know he's, he's just everything that everything bad that could have happened to someone happened to him when he was growing up um and then he wanted to become a navy seal obviously the version of rsas um and um basically was a hundred pounds overweight i can't remember exactly what pounds is in kilograms but you know obviously you can gain it's a lot of weight and he had three months to lose it so he lost it um you know it's just every single obstacle and to to get through the final thing of hell week he had to run on broken legs and he did you know because who doesn't do that you know running on broken <laughs> legs everyday occurrence um but he did it you know and this and so his He's the top of his field in mental toughness. There is no one that I can think of that is that is tougher than him, you know, in mind over matter of, you know, if you believe you can do it, you can. And his book is, you know, it's completely transferable to sales, to, to, to health safety, to anything you're doing. Um, so I would recommend that book as well. And just going back to your point there, I think you've made a really interesting thing of, you know, these people, you know, it costs thousands of pounds and to do it. And I think, okay, right. So let's look at how many people go to those. There are thousands of people that go. Look at what's happened to their businesses since they've been. Have they genuinely 10 times their business? Are they now, you know, billionaires? I doubt it. So it's, I just think it's, it's the proofs in the pudding and the proof that they're failing is in the pudding. But for some reason, people still want to go for it. And it's going back to what you said and what I said really early on as well, is that people want to get rich quick. So they, they, they want to believe it. They go, oh, I'm sure it works. It must work because otherwise other people wouldn't be doing it. So I'm going to go. It's that thing of, you know, five million um, flies each year. So it can't be wrong. You know, mm. it, it's absolute, it's ludicrous. And I, I look at it, it's like influencers. Like, what are you influencing? <laughs> no, you're not. You're an idiot. You know what I mean? You pay for likes. You pay for shares. And uh, unless you're some 18-year-old, girl who just all she does is puts pictures on of her in a thong you know they're the only ones that get real followers and we all know why that is they're not influencing <laughs> anyone you know what i mean no one's going oh you know what i'm gonna go to barbados because look at that doesn't that look nice in the background they're not looking at the background you know it's it's absolute ridiculousness um and it's very it's a culture that we need to change and i'm hoping it dies out soon because it's it oh, blows my mind and it's just it's frustrating. It's frustrating because so many people are caught up in it and so many people believe it. And, um, and you know, they've got, they, they, they want it to work. And I see what I get it. I get they want it to work, but it's not going to. You, mm. you know, it's hard work that gets your business to where it is. It's hard work that 10 times your business. It's nothing to do with these, that these guys have got this secret that they're going to teach you. And because otherwise it'd be out there with the amount of people that do it, 
do you really think that all those people would keep that one thing that works to themselves and wouldn't tell everyone? It's, you know, it's mm. Yeah, I yeah, I'll, we definitely need to end this because I think we'll be right. <laughs> I think we both, we both agree. Um, and I think, I, I do think there are some people out there that have the badge of influencer and probably do deserve it. Mm-hmm. But, but it is interesting that since I started this podcast and since I started YouTube especially, which was only like a week or two ago, um, my inbox on LinkedIn has gone nuts of people who are offering me basically likes and subscribers for 50, 60 quid or whatever for 10 and then 100 quid for whatever. And I'm just like, I can understand why people do it. I can understand why it, it bumps you up the list and then eventually you'll probably get more subscribers anyway who genuinely want to listen to you because, you know, the search engine puts you up there and whatever. I, I, I get it. But I don't want to do that, and I, I haven't done that. And I'm quite, you know, my audience compared to some is probably a lot smaller. But I get this, I get a consistent audience all the time, and I understand, you know, them and who they are, and and I, and I think that's a better way to be. And I do think some people follow that and have that deserve that title of influencer, like David Goggins, you know, things like people like that. A lot of people don't like Gary Vaynerchuk, but I quite like him. Um, I do. I think he deserves that kind of title. Um, but then I think there's, there is out there, the one trip pony is out there. I think it's all over YouTube. I think it's all over the internet and it's hard work. You just, you just yeah. said it. it's hard yeah. work. All these people that have slogged it and are, you know, the top of Apple, the top of Amazon, they've worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 24 seven, you know, they've, they've put, they've decided the business is where I want to go. And I think, I think that's a, a pretty good point. Well, we better end it because we'll be here all day. But that's been a really good conversation. Thanks for coming, buddy. No, thank you so much for having me on, mate. Really appreciate it. Do you want to um, quickly plug, plug AW? Um, yeah, how do we get hold of AW if you want to? Um, well, obviously, anyone um, that's following this, obviously, get me on LinkedIn, um, Richard Kinnaird. Um, but yeah, uh, AW Safety. So we've been going since 2009, so 10 years now. Um, we do absolutely, we, we are the full service provider, um, competent person packages, fire extinguisher servicing, pat testing, training. We've got our own in-house training centre, but we also come to companies to do training. Um, we can do as little or as much as you want, essentially. Give us a call, um, 01623 824 516. Um, or like I said, just um, if would you be so kind as to link me into this somehow um, oh, and, and then follow me in um, and we'll have a chat. Yeah, yeah, we'll put um, AW's site on there and put you on there and that and we'll, we'll get that on in the description. That's great. Really appreciate the conversation, mate. Thank you. Okay, guys, I hope you found that interesting. Did you notice the comparison? It's culture. All the stuff that Richard was talking about, relationship management, culture, it's all the same stuff. He's not coming in and telling us how to sell a pen or, you know, Wolf of Wall Street is how it is and all that. He's just telling us that it's all about relationship management, which I found really, really interesting. If you like this, don't forget to hit subscribe if you're on YouTube, if you're on iTunes. Give us a rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. And share the podcast, guys. I know you still haven't. Come on. I'm watching. Safe.